Liz. Hi, happy new year. <laughs> happy new year. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you. And yourself? I'm doing well. I can't believe it's, you know, it happens every year, but I yeah. can't believe we're, we're in another one. <laughs> yeah, I was, I saw on social media, like, no one seems to be saying that this is going to be my year. Everybody's just scared because of the last few years. Nobody wants to like create expectations that are too big. <laughs> I totally get that. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. I, I have a couple no, questions so, to answer, but um, since you're here and if, if you want to go ahead, um, if you have anything to discuss, go ahead. Yeah, sure. No, I was I was going to ask if, if you had stuff that you already needed to cover first or if I could go ahead and no, ask. But I'll do it afterwards. Uh, okay, great. Um, so as you know, I've had a real uh, fun time getting my supplements <laughs> actually into my hands. Um, so... I just checked they did just clear customs in Portugal today so I'm hoping they are going to get here this week so that's very exciting because I was like really uh, upset about not being able to actually get started um so in case there's more of a delay is there anything else I could be doing other than the obvious kind of with food um in the meantime um because again now that we know sort of having seen my results what the problem was um which was like um a lot of overgrowth of all types of bacteria um i'm wondering if there's anything that i should be avoiding because somebody gave me a book for christmas (laughs) which you've probably heard of called glucose revolution um actually uh, it's a French name and I don't remember but um, she's glucose goddess on Instagram okay. and the book is called glucose revolution um, and it was just really interesting to read because I definitely have a sweet tooth it's definitely something that probably hasn't helped my circumstances to um, have very fluctuating um, glucose spikes mm-hmm. so she has um, recommendations in there of how you can counteract that and some of them are very simple and easy to do and I feel like they have already helped in terms of like having um, fiber before you have a carb or if you are going to have a carb make sure you're pairing it with protein and fat roller. One of them in particular was drinking um, a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in water before having something sweet or a carby meal. And I don't know if trying that made me feel a bit sick. And I don't know if that's something that would trigger symptoms in me because I already have all of this bacterial overgrowth. So I wanted to ask about that first of all. Sure. Um, It certainly could have triggered symptoms. I don't think it would have been related to the bacterial overgrowth. Apple cider vinegar is pretty potent stuff, even if you dilute it in water and a tablespoon is a decent is amount. A now, from a glucose standpoint, you do need like one to two tablespoons of vinegar to get the glucose lowering effect of it. So for some right. people, it's it's easier to put that into like a salad dressing and consume the salad. So you have the vinegar and the fat and the fiber prior to your meal versus doing the apple cider vinegar alone. So it doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me that it caused a little bit of upset or, or GI distress, but I, I you, like you didn't do any damage to uh, or exacerbate the bacterial overgrowth. I wouldn't think, I wouldn't think that at all. Okay. That's good to know. That's helpful. So it's something I continue experimenting with because um, it's not going to undo anything that I'm trying to yeah yeah other than you know the fact that if if you are continuing to get some some distress from it i wouldn't say that it's worth it just because you know it's it's pretty acidic and it can you know 
if it if it burns going down or or you know whatnot, maybe it just makes sense to include it in like a salad dressing. Yeah, that's cool. I can do that. That's possible. Um, yeah. Is there anything else I could possibly do other than just staying away from things I know that irritate me? Because, for example, I just ate some pasta and I had some broccoli first, and it had lots of chicken and it didn't make me super bloated. Whereas the other day I ate a meal that was all vegetables. I thought it was really healthy and I felt terrible. So I'm just already struggling with that. So, you know, you can, and you're familiar, (laughs) we talked about low FODMAP, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like the FODMAP-y vegetables and fruits are worse for you? I don't, I I just, I wish I could detect any kind of pattern, but like I, I did try the low FODMAP diet before and it was the exact same thing like it didn't it there was just there just didn't seem to be a pattern of what was mm-hmm. hurting and what was not okay um in which case what what I would consider is um you know definitely being intuitive and if if you know certain things like and maybe it's not certain vegetables but it's certain amounts of vegetables yeah um you know of avoiding really fiber rich vegetable heavy meals but still incorporating some vegetables here and there so that you're getting you know enough fiber enough of the the vitamins and minerals the other thing you can do from a dietary standpoint is um polyphenol so the colorful compounds found in fruits and vegetables i think we've talked about this mm-hmm. in the past but um those can have some gut modulating properties so you can incorporate higher polyphenol lower fiber foods and those can actually have some really beneficial effects on the bacterial overgrowth. So, um, you know, maybe that would be, um, red cabbage. Yep. Red cabbage, um, you know, smaller amounts of berries, stuff like that. Now red cabbage is fibrous, right? Um, any, anything like that, um, is, is going to add to your fiber load as well, but things like herbs and spices, um, have a lot of polyphenols and don't have a lot of fiber that come with them. Fresh, fresh or dried, um, you know, teas, coffee, um, you know, again, there's, there's a lot of stuff like, like that, where you can get a lot of variety in, um, and you don't have to necessarily get a ton of fiber with it. So it can, you know, it can still be contributing to, you know, progressing your, your gut health, but not exacerbating symptoms at the same time. Um, the other thing, uh, how do you do with garlic? Remind me, do you know? I love garlic. And it works okay for you, at least yeah. in small amounts. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. So garlic can have some antimicrobial activities as well. Um, the a- actual garlic cloves. So make sure you're cooking it, um, because the raw garlic can, it, it, unless you're totally fine with it, um, cooked garlic seems to be more well tolerated. Um, but garlic has some antimicrobial activities. Um, so I would kind of focus on the high polyphenol. So high, high color, um, load, lower fiber plants, um, still incorporate some fiber from fruits and vegetables. Uh, but don't, don't go crazy on it because it might may exacerbate gut issues. Um, you know, and even if we're talking about like a salad with oil and vinegar dressing at the start of your meal. It doesn't have to be this huge, like five cups of leafy greens. It can be, you know, a handful of leafy greens. Maybe we've been throwing some cooked vegetables into there, um, you know, that have been sitting in the fridge. So they're cold so that you don't have to have this huge amount of, of, you know, fiber in your gut, but still get the benefits of the glucose lowering effect, um, you know, from the fiber and the vegetables and the, the, oil and, and the vinegar. Um, so focusing on those and then, you know, trying to add garlic when you can, those would probably be my top recommendations for you. 
Okay, thank you. That is really helpful. Um, and then assuming that my supplements do come this week, um, what would be a good way to start? You mentioned I could just take them all, but I know that I'm a kind of person that supplements can tend to make me feel a bit sick sometimes. Um, so what would be a good um, progression for taking them, bearing in mind I'm like desperate to start and what, <laughs> I would love to take them all if I can, but if I find that makes me feel unwell, like what would I do? Yeah. So th there's, there's a couple of ways to approach it. One is to start with everything and you may be totally fine and to back off if needed. The other approach would be kind of a, an incremental approach where, um, and there's two, two options there. One would be to start supplement by supplement. The other mm -hmm. would be to take everything here on your health plan. Um, but drop, the, drop the dose, um, you know, as low as you can go. So maybe that's one, one capsule a day and then slowly work your way up. In your case, mm -hmm. I would probably say that's a fine approach because you're going to get mm -hmm. to the, you know, the, the fully prescribed dose sooner than later versus going supplement by supplement by supplement. So what I would do is start, start taking everything, but just start with the lowest possible dose. Take that for, you know, two, three, maybe four days. If the, if everything is going well there, then increase the dose again, two, three, four days, and then increase the dose until you're to the prescribed dose. And if for some reason you start everything and, um, you know, you're three days in and you're on the lowest dose and something feels off, um, then that's where we could go in and try to figure out what supplements causing a problem. I don't think that's going to happen, especially if you're starting off with the lowest possible dose. Does that make sense? Yes, that's really, really helpful. Okay. So I will definitely do that. Okay. And um, like with, with the, the sun fiber, for example, if something's in powder form, you know, just if a full dose is say a scoop, um, just do like a quarter scoop or less to start with. Um, and then, you know, you'll, you'll build up over the course of, you know, a week or two, you should be at the prescribed dose for everything. Okay, fantastic. Um, and then the last thing is that I um, was recommended this prenatal um, to be taking to actually help my um, hormones and my period pains. Um, is that and it has really helped. Um, and bearing in mind, like pregnancy is the ultimate goal of all of this as well. So is that something I can carry on um, taking? Yeah, absolutely. What this, these yep. supplements. Okay, great. Okay, so all I need now is a supplement. <laughs> Hopefully in the next couple of days you'll get them. Yes, exactly. I'm but sorry that was really, really helpful. So uh, it's not your fault, it's living in Portugal. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Is that all? Yes, that's everything. Okay. Thank you. All right, great. Hi Marina. Hello. Hi. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Um I have yeah, a couple you're of be here today. Oh, well, here I am. Um, I have a couple of questions that were written in, um, but if, if you have questions or, or topics that you want to discuss first, I'm, um, you know, more than happy to, to let you. Yeah, let's, let's, let's roll through those. I just sent you a note in Trello. Oh, okay. Who is on its way. I sent, I sent it off. Yay. That's great. <laughs> things you can only talk about here oh I know I know <laughs> all right uh let me share my screen here so we have just two questions bye Liz thanks for joining happy new year all right so here we go 
um, question one, what are some causes and solutions for thinning hair? So causes, there's a lot of causes. The most common are probably going to be genetics, um, increased levels of androgens, particularly DHT, and that kind of falls under the genetic category, although it doesn't necessarily have to, um, stress, nutritional deficiencies, medications, damaging hair treatments, whether it's, you know, colors or chemicals over the course of time, thyroid disorders, autoimmunity. Um, I've seen uh, like environmental mold exposure and other environmental toxins potentially uh, contribute to hair loss. And then also oxidative stress and inflammation more generally. Um, the causes of hair loss and, and thinning that I just named likely also have roots in inflammation and oxidative stress. So the inflammation and oxidative stress are more like an umbrella. Um, and then many of those things go underneath it. As far as solutions, those would obviously depend on the cause that we're dealing with. And ideally, you can get to the root cause and address it, but that's not always possible. So I'm going to be skipping over oral medications like finasteride. Um, but generally speaking, as far as solutions, I would be thinking about decreasing and managing stress levels, doing what you can to get good sleep as sleep disturbances seem to potentially exacerbate other root causes of hair loss, eating a uh, highly nutrient-dense diet, so specific nutrients that are helpful or um, you know necessary for, for hair growth and hair health include zinc, collagen, biotin, vitamin A, typically like the preformed vitamin A that you'll be getting from egg yolks or, and liver, Iron is very important, vitamin D, antioxidants in the, in, in the diet, so your colorful fruits and vegetables, B vitamins, and also omega-3 fatty acids. Generally, I would just focus on, you know, a highly nutrient-dense diet with a lot of, you know, plant color and variety, although there can sometimes be a time for supplementation, um, depending on the person. I think I would also think about addressing any kind of gut inflammation and potential malabsorption uh, coming from the gut inflammation, um, which would obviously lead to some of those nutrient deficiencies, even if you were eating a, a, a diet that was nutrient dense enough. So if that's applicable, I would work on gut health. I would get enough protein in the diet. So probably shooting for, you know, a minimum of 1.4 or so grams of protein per kilogram of body weight daily, the older you are, the, um, and obviously, and, and sometimes people are experiencing more of this hair loss and hair thinning later into life. Um, you may want to increase, or you're probably are going to want to increase that protein to, you know, more than, or at least 1.6 grams per kilogram, um, due to something called anabolic resistance. So the body needs more protein at a given meal to, um, you know, make, make use of that protein. Uh, there is some evidence showing that low-level laser therapy can help with androgenic alopecia, which is hair loss that's related to androgens in both males and females. Generally, doing what you can to reduce oxidative stress and inflammation is likely going to be helpful as well. Um, getting to the root cause of, you know, when possible, but also uh, using things like an anti-inflammatory diet and lifestyle to help the body combat inflammation and oxidative stress um, that it's being burdened with. Supporting scalp health and avoiding harsh chemicals is probably going to be important as well. 
platelet-rich plasma injections have been shown to be beneficial, and microneedling may be a helpful adjunct therapy to PRP. There's also some newer preliminary evidence that exosomes um, may be helpful as a treatment. Exosomes are mesenchymal stem cells, and they contain cell signaling molecules like cytokines and growth factors that can help promote hair growth. And then there's some other supplements and topicals that may be helpful, particularly for androgenic alopecia, although their evidence is quite limited. So those would include saw palmetto, reishi mushroom, nettle, uh, nutrifol, which is a blend of nutrients and botanicals all incorporated, incorporated into one supplement. And then um, topical ketoconazole, which is actually an antifungal, um, has also been shown to be helpful as well. All right, question two. Can the production of lactase be upregulated in adults who are lactose intolerant by consuming lactose products? All right, this is a good question. So the short answer is maybe, but it's unclear from the literature um, to what extent that can happen. And it probably also depends on many factors, including genetics and the health of the gut, as well as the presence or absence of certain gut bugs that can help break down lactose. So to get a little bit more detailed, some people do seem to regain lactase activity after, uh, for example, eliminating dairy, which downregulates lactase activity. So lactase tends to be what's called an inducible enzyme, um, meaning that when you withdraw lactose from the diet, lactase activity in the uh, intestinal mucosa decreases. So you can kind of think of it as a use it or lose it enzyme, except it's not oftentimes, or oftentimes not completely lost. You can upregulate it um, because there has been documentation of colonic adaptation to daily lactose ingestion in people who have lactose intolerance, suggesting um, or showing a reduction in lactose intolerance symptoms. Um, so that does suggest that, you know, if you're lactose intolerant, um, daily ingestion of, of something that, you know, has lactose can certainly help you regain some of that tolerance. If you have been dairy-free for a while and you're wanting to reduce, uh, reintroduce it, then gradual reintroduction is typically the best route to avoid symptoms while you are hopefully ramping up lactase activity. I would also start with dairy products that aren't super high in lactose. So things like fermented dairy, like yogurt and kefir, um, maybe even hard, hard cheeses. And not everyone will be able to successfully reintroduce lactose into their diet if they're lactose intolerant. But it's certainly, I think, worth a try. The body is amazingly adaptable, especially when you're starting from, you know, a really good place of, of uh, you know, good gut health, for example. Interestingly, there's also some evidence that prebiotics, particularly galacto-oligosaccharides, can modulate the gut microbiota in such a way that may help lactose intolerance. So additionally, um, or in addition to that, you can uh, take certain supplemental probiotics like lactobacilli strains, bifidobacterium longum, and bifidobacterium animalis that um, will basically produce lactase in the gut. Now, whether or not these particular probiotic strains are clinically effective for lactose intolerance is still unclear, 
but it would be a low risk, potentially high reward intervention if you wanted you know, a little help in the meantime with some lactose digestion. All right, uh, that's all I have. So Marina, any anything from you with regards to those questions or anything else, uh, go ahead. Uh, well, I don't have anything specific to those questions, but on a similar note of gut health, um, as discussed, I'm uh, got some issues, but uh, I think, well, one, how long do you think it will take to get results from diagnostic solutions for the GI map? Um, we haven't run the GI map in a while. I would say. I would probably give the lab like 14 business days. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in the meantime, what I think I want to do is one, um, I think I'm going to order some more enteromend because mm -hmm. um, that's always helped even with just general discomfort. Um, and then I did the, uh, have you ever tried or heard of the baking soda test for stomach acid. Mm -hmm. So I did that and, you know, assuming it's even moderately accurate, uh, it indicates I have super low acid right now. Mm -hmm. So should I take some of these? Yeah. Baking HCI. Okay. Yeah. Does that um, one have pepsin so, in it too? Ooh, I think I just read that. Let's see. Um, it talks about it, hydrochloric acid, blah, blah, blah. Pepsin is a protease produced in the stomach. So it talks about it. What does is it, it now? If it has it. Is it's it now, better? yeah. Mm hmm And that's okay. Acid-stable protease. Oh, fungal pepsin from... Oh yeah. Aspergillus. Yep. Yeah. Okay. 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 So that's better. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Okay. Which one do you guys normally recommend? I mean, I just, I, I actually you know, tried this for mom and it, I don't know. Most, most BTN HCL with all the same. is all the same. You know, there is one from Healthy yeah. Gut that has a little bit of ginger in it, which is nice for some people. But yeah. honestly, yeah. the, the, the amount, um, extra that you're paying for it, I don't think is necessarily worth it for most um, oh so okay. i would yeah. you know i would probably say just the standard btn hcl with pepsin is is fine to start with for sure okay um i guess i mean the other and then i guess i'm just gonna do the other super obvious things which is no gluten oh this is interesting Okay, so I've had this problem with itchy arms for months. And at first I thought it was neuropathic itching because I couldn't, like, there's there's no visible, like, skin situation mm -hmm. un unless I've scratched so much that I've caused myself to bleed, which definitely happens. Um, but now I'm starting to think it could be related to gluten oh. which I've always had stomach issues with gluten or digestive issues with gluten 
But now it's starting to seem like if I have it the next day, usually for uh, 24 to 48 hours, the itching will come back. Because I did a week of, um, and when this when this hit me was when I did a week of um, Prolon. So I've done three rounds of Prolon, I think. Um, and it kind of dawned on me that my itching went away after Prolon. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, I haven't been able to like fully narrow it down. Have you ever even heard of that? Have you ever heard of anyone else having that as a reaction? I haven't. That doesn't mean that it's not a thing, you know? Sure. Um, it, it's also possible it could be related to gluten and histamine both. Um, mm, yeah. You know, if, if gluten is causing you in particular a lot of hyperintestinal permeability and then the enzyme that breaks down histamine is made in that intestinal lining, um, you know, you mm. kind of get the one-two punch of maybe inflammation from gluten plus a little bit more histamine in the system. It's possible. Yeah. Um, but regardless, it sounds like going gluten-free is definitely the, the, the way to go. At least for Yeah, sure. which I mean, is kind of my normal MO anyway. It's just, yeah, yeah when I get a little lazy or go out uh, and have some, then um, I pay, I almost always pay the price uh, in some way. But I just, I could not put my finger on this itching problem for, for months. Um, and so I don't know. Anyway. Wow. Um, so that was that, 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 and then, so while we await results to, um, confirm H. pylori or not, and maybe whatever else is going on, um, what, what else do you recommend, um, I throw down on just to get started? Um, cause I don't really want to wait. I, I think the interamend makes sense. I think the DTNHCL definitely makes sense. If you feel like you need additional enzymes, you know, you could try like actual mm. digestive enzymes. Um, yeah. Hard, hard to know how, how effective those would be. Um, you know, focusing on anti-inflammatory diet, as much plant yeah. color and fiber as you can get in and a variety, variety may not be, I, I don't know what it's like where you are, but, um, I don't know if you were here when I was talking to Liz, but there are, you know, uh, and it's, it's not just plant fibers, but it's also plant colors that can help modulate mm -hmm. the gut microbiome and reduce inflammation. So, you know, things like herbs and spices and coffee and tea and, you know, all of your different colors of the rainbow of, of your fruits and vegetables, um, those are going to be highly anti-inflammatory and also modulate the gut. Um, just thinking... Yeah about what else um you know there are some things hang on nac are you taking that right now no what's no. that nac is a it can function actually as a biofilm disruptor in the context of h pylori but it also um helps with it's it's a glutathione precursor so it helps with inflammation and oxidative stress mm. um so that might be something to to start taking it's it's going to be you know even if you don't have h pylori it can be helpful um okay ramberry has been shown to be helpful for h pylori um and also for modulating the gut microbiome and helping 
um, you know, increased levels of, of beneficial gut bugs. So, you know, if you have access to cranberries, you can certainly try incorporating some of those. Um, let's see, broccoli seed sprouts have been shown to have some anti-H pylori activity. If, if you again have access yeah. to them. all of these things, you can get in supplemental form as well. But if you just want right. to take a food first approach, that's, that's an option. Um, raw local honey has been shown to maybe have some anti-H pylori mm. activity. Um, yeah, I did read that. Garlic, berries, uh, grapes, like co- very colorful grapes, um, cabbage and other brassicas may have some anti-H pylori activity as well. So there are definitely some things from a dietary perspective that you can start um, unless you wanted to get some of those things in supplemental form, just assuming that they're going to be good for you regardless. Um, but then if you do end right. up with H pylori, you're kind of just getting a, a jump start on them. Okay. Because um, the yeah. Hormity, broccoli sprouts are one of the main ingredients in Hormity. Is that still part of the, your protocol? Um, or do you have something different now? So I don't actually, we haven't been manufacturing it because we weren't able to, people weren't using it enough for us to um, you know, actually. Oh, you guys were, were making that yourselves? No, not us, but we outsourced it. And yeah, then it yeah. didn't end okay. up being worth it in the in the long run, I, right. I think. Um, so now I just recommend either eating broccoli seed sprouts or um, you know, taking something supplementally. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um and then of course, stress, sleep, right. uh, all the things that we know also, sleep, you know, outside sleep, of the diet. Yeah, sleep's pretty good. Right. Yeah. Sleep's pretty good. Uh I did get a job. I'm going back to work next week. Hey, that's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Um, and then, so I'm still going to do the uh, continuous glucose monitoring. Interestingly, levels will not ship to Hawaii. Mm. They will not work with you. And, and it's, they have a list of like four states. So it's Alaska, Hawaii, DC, and somewhere else. It's like they can't get government approval is what it seems like. It's not, it's not the shipping thing. It's more like the, maybe they don't have a, um, a practitioner who's licensed here. Sure. That's what I'm guessing. Um, but Cygnos, which is, that was the one I was trying to think of last time. Yeah. I think they're, I think they're using the Dexcom as they well. Are. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go with that one. Right. Uh, cause it, it's, it's interesting. They're actually, their website is super vague. Um, but I watched some reviews and they mentioned that it was, that it was Dexcom. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my plan. That's what I'm going to go with. Great. See how that goes. So yeah, that's about it. Okay. I think, um, you know, I, I think with everything we talked about, you're definitely getting a jumpstart on things regardless of whether or not there's H. pylori going on right um, yeah yeah we can we can fine-tune when we get those results and and be more specific and tailored okay that sounds like a plan are you excited to start work okay i am yeah mm-hmm. what are you doing um so i'm doing it's a logistics consulting um so yeah booz allen you heard of booz allen no okay they're a consulting firm um they have a lot of government contracts. They have some corporate contracts too, but um, so of course, you know, I was hired for a, a, a government contract 
Um, so kind of going back to the Navy, but as a contractor. So awesome. Just doing, yeah. So it's what I know, but, uh, I don't have any of the active duty restrictions. So it's going to be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Should be. Well, good. I'm I'm excited excited for you. Yeah. Thanks. So, okay. Um, well, I think, so actually what's weird in Trello, I tried to um, like tag Margaret and she doesn't show up. Oh, I can add her to your board. That's probably why. Oh, that's why. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She's not on my board. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is she's one of your new admins? Newish, I guess. Yeah. I had. Where is, hang on a second. I will, while you're here, so I don't forget. Tammy. Um, what are Tammy and Elaine doing these days? Elaine's still around. Same Tammy, Tammy is. Um, or did Tammy leave? She left to focus on her her family business. They have a. Oh, I nice. think it's, a, okay. it's related to construction. Um, oh, so let okay. me just go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think my board that needs to be updated. People. There we go. Okay, I just added Margaret, so you can, um, okay, you can tag her now. Okay, and then are her, her and Elaine doing the same kind of stuff, or is Elaine doing something different? Um, Elaine's more doing that. The, there's a lot of crossover, but Elaine's more doing um, like blood smart stuff, so blood blood chemistry orders and oh yeah, and okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if if you have questions about like oh. you know, the stool tests or anything those would all be directed to margaret yeah oh i do have a few i had some labs done i might send those over it wouldn't be a full i mean it's not it's not all the markers for blood smart but just something to get logged and then um i think i am i'm gonna reach out to the um reticent protocol practitioner here and see if i can get set up with that guy for the the labs and stuff because it's I mean it's it's like the only way I'm going to be able to get labs done here I think at least a full a full scope of what we would want to see you know um I will say my PCM is pretty open to um to to some stuff I've got I'm we're gonna go we're gonna run my hormones again in February um because I was like off the chart in estrogen my estrogen was like 650 wow i know i know because i so i stopped doing the progesterone i stopped doing progon for a while to see what would happen well that's what happened um so i was like okay that was a terrible plan <laughs> so i um got some online but that's the other thing i'm gonna i'm just gonna put in my note to um margaret um it's more of that magnesium yeah all that, uh, i wonder um, i um, do you have a wellevate account a what wellevate did we ever set you up with one of no those? oh i for no I've heard i don't know if they i don't know if they ship to hawaii <laughs> probably not that's that's the big hurdle here um but you might 
hang on, maybe I can find it real quick. What is what is it? I am on Google. Uh, Wellevate is a uh like a online supplement distributor. Oh, let me just see. Looks like it. Please note, Hawaii and Alaska is ten to fourteen business days for shipping. Um, so it does oh, look like okay. a, and and you'll get a discount through us. Um, so that might. Be oh, okay. So then I can just order my own mm -hmm. instead of. But then, oh yeah. Depending on what they but have, so I... I don't actually know if they have the the program. I see. Yeah. Um. Uh, I guess I just then I don't know what I would use my retainer for other than oh sure to talk yeah. to you yeah so so, so. If, if you've got money in the retainer it makes sense to probably just yeah it. yeah I'll, I'll probably just step around but um yeah this is interesting um okay well, I don't want to bore everyone to death on the playback so you certainly don't <laughs> all right well um so i guess i'll look at your calendar you know what can you have her send me a updated link to your calendar because i tried to find it in my trello board sure. i thought I'll, sure it was in I'll there somewhere do it now um, okay and i could not find it um the search function did not like me and i'll maybe set up something for the end of the month yeah so we can go and hopefully we would have results by then so sounds good i think we probably should oh. okay sounds like a plan all right you've got it on all your right. board now perfect i see okay. it okay thanks all right you're welcome good to you, Marina. same to you, you too bye-bye